The final day of September has been knocked off the calendar. The autumn leaves are falling. We've teased it all year. Scary boys scaring boys. It's gonna have to wait another week because it's time for Palm d'Orc. Welcome to episode 44 of Palm d'Orcs, an in-depth and very serious exploration into the world of the Cannes Film Festival hosted by two small-time cowards. I'm your host, Trevor Dillon, and allow me to introduce my co-host. No roast this week. We don't do it. We're too classy when we do Palm d'Orcs. It's Adam Cervantes Wagner. Yeah, you know, uh, if I was going to roast you this episode, I would have introduced you as a dude who flexes naked in front of the mirror. <laughs> That's okay. To be fair, that is not exclusive to this film. And that, and by the way, that will be as spoilery as we get before we get into spoilers, mind you. Uh, but uh, hey, listen, that's not exclusive to that guy, this character in this movie. I, th- I think we all do that. <laughs> okay. Uh, but he does just a, a, a very special thing before he does. He does the flexing part. Yeah, which is, I guess I wanted to, do you just want to get right into it? I mean, we can get right into it, but I don't want to spoil the movie at all. So uh, we're going to skip listener reviews because we don't have any. But uh, (laughs) uh, welcome, everybody, like I said, to Palm York. So basically, of course, we have done two of these episodes this year, Adam. Is that right? That's right. Okay. And you would think, hey, that's it. They did their can preview and they did their can wrap up. So they shouldn't have to do any more Palm Yorks this year. They're just going to do their preview again next year. And the answer is no. That is not true because we have a Palm Dior. That oh my God, not a Palm Dior. A Palm Dior <laughs> well, winner catching on. I know, I know. Everyone's saying it. Palm- we have a Palm Dior winner that actually hit theaters this weekend. That Adam and I stayed up way late last night to watch, and then now, of course, we're going to drop this episode a day late because we needed to talk about it. Of course, that's Julia Dirkonos. Uh, Titan. How are we saying it? They didn't say it in the movie, unfortunately. So, how have you been saying it for this past year? That's a good question. Uh, I'm just saying Titan. I'm going full. I know I'm a, an American with it. Uh, yeah, I mean, am I wrong, though? I don't think they said the word Titan in the movie. No, do you know what it means? Uh, no, I don't. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what it means? I have no idea. I'm assuming it's something to do with metal, like uh, titanium. Yeah, of course. I, I think it's uh, referring to, like, the, the very first image we even saw from the movie was the brace around the young girl's face which i have to assume was made of titanium and they they actually discuss it a little bit uh in the first like two minutes of the movie but i uh i didn't catch them actually saying the word so i'm gonna say it the way that i say it just like how i say palm dior and i know you say palmador uh-huh. uh, and we're and just gonna roll with right. it yeah no one yeah. of us we both can't be correct on either of these pronunciations but um yeah like i said we're talking about titan i think it's a movie that we absolutely can dedicate an entire episode to um no guest uh, sorry, everyone. It's just going to be Adam and I. And I just got basically uh, Titan pulled up on Letterbox, and we're just going to talk about it as uh, how do I say non spoiler as we can, basically. And then certain we... genesis walk. And then I'll have Adam sound the alarm like usual, and then we'll just talk about it openly. And uh, if you've seen the movie, I don't want to be that guy. I think I'll just start up top with uh, one of our favorite favorite segments, the the discourse. Uh, and just talk about how people saw Titan at Beyond Fest like two days ago. You and I met at the theater late at night to watch it for the show. And mm-hmm. everyone is just openly talking about it pretty much on Twitter right now. And it's like the rest of the world doesn't even know what the movie is yet. And people are talking about it. And I, I, after I saw it, I couldn't really blame them too much because I, I deleted like three tweets about this movie that I just like, was like manically tweeting out. 
Right. And what? How do you feel? So this is a specific movie. It's a very specific movie, and we're not going to go over what it's about. I'll give you the little log line from Letterbox. It's following a series of unexplained crimes. A former firefighter is reunited with his son, who has been missing for ten years. Okay, that's <laughs> that. That is a lot more than I knew about this movie going into it. Absolutely, I wouldn't even say that works for most of the for the first like 30 minutes of the movie <laughs> exactly exactly that, that just that plot line they're really just trying to skate around what the movie actually is there but right. um you know i think that's smart i think that like this movie is one that the trailer didn't give anything away it was all vibes but uh, i guess what we'll talk about in this segment the discourse is that i don't like when people say that a new movie that's coming out that if like if you and i have not had a chance to see it we don't live in the middle of nowhere right we live in orange county we have we get movies basically a week after everyone in la gets them if that i mean nowadays after covid everything concurrently releases everywhere right so right, thanks to the best darn programmer in the county <laughs> yeah no I, I mean i just mean like in general like if you're living in like a suburb of dallas texas and you i was looking at a little small art house uh, called the Barry Theater outside of Dallas, and they're opening Titan this weekend. Like, and uh -oh. I know that's not how it works for every movie. I know that's right. not how the new Wes Anderson movie will roll out, but it's like, anyways, it just people will compare the movie and they think that they aren't spoiling it, but they'll say it's blah 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 meets blah blah blah, and they'll say two very specific movies, yeah. and you're like, you're spoiling the movie. I, I, mean, <laughs> I know I'm being very sensitive, but I won't even say the movie that i'll just i'll give i'll give you a hint and i think you might know what i'm talking about but they'll say that this movie is a a very specific david cronenberg movie mates uh -huh. like a gaspar noe movie essentially and yeah. it's like that movie that david cronenberg directed which i won't say the name of is <laughs> about one thing and everyone knows it's about that one thing so you describing it as mm. that is a, is a huge spoiler am i being too sensitive no uh, we all know you're talking about scanners <laughs> yeah i mean i mean no but for real if you, if if, the, if i told you that titan was like scanners you'd say oh someone's head blows up that's what you would right. assume you'd, and you'd be looking for it right so it's like i don't know i i, I think that I, I told my buddy this last night and he was like i mean you just need to stop following these people and i'm like <laughs> i mean it's true maybe i do need to stop because they're not giving me anything like oh wow you paid 40 dollars and went to beyond fest a day before i watched it you know like i could have watched yeah. it at my local amc like okay <laughs> cool they're not offering me any exclusive information, but... Uh, right, it's uh, that very uh, side of annoying film fan who, like, really wants to have their tweet retweeted a thousand times and think they're very clever about, you know, the take that they have. Yeah, I mean, and, and people who we use as a service, like, at, you know, critics or whatever, who they, they, come out of, they came out of the screening of Titan at Cannes, and their job is to get their thoughts and the review up as fast as they can. There's no sitting around thinking about it now i've been thinking about this movie of course for the past 12 hours or whatever it's been since we've seen it it's been longer than that but um and you know my, my thoughts have not changed on it i think it's a very um stark film like you're gonna feel a way about it immediately when the opening credits hit or i mean the ending credits hit so you know this is the type of movie where i'm okay for you to walk out and say like you know jaw-dropping astonishing or dazzling horrifying whatever brilliance like whatever like words you want to use and pull quotes you want to get posted right but um i just kind of like it just really reminds me of just tweeting over and over again like i saw this movie that you haven't seen yet i saw this movie that you <laughs> haven't seen yet and not only that but i'm gonna lightly spoil it and change your expectations so oh God. yeah i hate that i mean look i i'm very sensitive about that stuff and what's nice is i don't think the trailer even really <laughs> the trailer kind of set it up to be a different movie which i love like that's the exact thing i want from a trailer 
And I'm, I haven't seen the trailer for um, Licorice Pizza yet, and I will not. I'm not going to see it because I don't want to know anything about it. And so yeah. I got to stay off Twitter, you know, because of people like that that you're talking about. And what's funny is that I avoided pretty much all spoilers of this movie until I was sitting in the theater watching the previews. I went on my phone to Twitter and some girl had to have a take about it and make a joke. I mean, it literally like you're watching it before the night it comes out, basically, and you're getting you're getting lightly spoiled again. No one is going on. We'll talk about it in spoilers. What someone could say to like actually spoil the movie. Luckily, this is a movie that truly it, it unfolds and has so many plot turns throughout that you can't spoil it by saying one thing. Like it'd be impossible. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I don't know. I, I guess again, I'm, I'm probably being just a little too sensitive about it. Uh, so you said that you're not watching the Licorice Pizza trailer. I've seen it about ten times. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a, I saw your take. It's. I mean, it's it's a total masterpiece. Like edit, edit, editing wise, it's it's incredible. And you know, it, it, you're you're right though. It does tell a story. It does give you a glimpse of what the movie is absolutely about. Whereas the Titan trailer just like palms you a winner. These are vibes, really loud music, two minutes. And you're right. They almost edit it to make it seem like a different movie, yeah, uh, which, is, which is, it's really great. And I, I and I love <laughs> it. And I'm glad that Neon let them do that. But um, it's just, I, I think that you can do that with a studio, a smaller studio, as long as the trailer looks like a movie that people will still see. Uh, they, they weren't misleading it as a movie that people wouldn't want to see. They were misleading it as a, a different movie that people would still want to see. So Mm-hmm. Um, after we have this conversation, I'm going straight to the theater. We have uh, an eight, a packed 8.30 screening of it and a packed 11 o'clock screening of it. And I'm going to do an intro before them. And, and I'm just going to basically say, like, uh, you know, without without being too preachy, just thanks for seeing this movie at this theater. You know what I mean? Like, you, you guys could have mm-hmm. gone to some AMC and seen it with five other people, and it just wouldn't have been the same experience, you know? Yeah. Um, I had a blast watching it, and there was three other people. It was you and two other people in the theater with us because uh, we have this, like, super, super secret society that meets up uh, every Thursday night sometimes right. uh, called The Apes of God, uh, which it. is a reference to the film Annette, which was the first movie we watched as The Apes of God. So, <laughs> um, And it's a really, really secret society of moviegoers, and uh, you can't be in it unless you just ask, basically, and then we would probably just say yes. Right, and this is the second movie that we've seen. There was going to be a third movie um, that I was going to see without you, but apparently I was going to be the only one to see it, so no one let me watch it. <laughs> that was that was days, right? Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll, we'll do we'll, we'll try to do it more often. It was very fun, uh, especially if we can make it like launch it for the show, you know. Yeah. Um, but let's get into it. Um, so wait, uh, so yeah, you you've also not mentioned. Um, uh, we kind of considered bringing on a second film. It was also at the Cannes Festival into the pod today. Did you want to get into that? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, let's open up uh, before we get into Titan, which we've been talking about for 10 minutes already. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about uh, the year of the Everlasting Storm, which uh, also just played at the theater. And like you mentioned, it was at Cannes as well. It was actually the second uh, Peach at Pong movie yeah. uh, that played actually at Cannes. So um, what did you overall – so basically – the Year of the Everlasting Storm is also from Neon, and it's an anthology of uh, seven filmmakers who made seven different short films, mm-hmm. all about or taking place during uh, the lockdown. I don't mean the pandemic. I mean the actual lockdown. So you had movies from uh, Iran, movies from China. Yeah, David Lowry's was set in Dallas. You had one from California, New York, uh, Chile, and um, the last one was Thailand, right? I, yes, that is correct. Yeah, the Peach Pong one was Thailand. So, um, yeah, I mean, all over the world, just kind of different glimpses into it. So, 
you know, how these things go typically with anthologies is that some of them are going to be bad and some of them are going to be good. Uh, is that how you felt about this one? I mean, I felt like they were all good. I think it's just more of like uh, some of them felt outside of the the tone that the others were setting. Yeah, I mean, this was like there was actually the only through line was that they were made during the lockdown. And yeah, I agree with you. I wouldn't consider any of them bad. Just some of them kind of were either not as good as the other ones or they were just too different. Uh, like, for example, uh, the New York set one uh, was uh, Lauren Petroyce, who was like, you know, if you look up her story, it's actually kind of incredible. But the film she presents should have been a feature, not like an extended <laughs> yeah. short that is extremely dense and put right into the middle of this of this like anthology. I, I thought it was crazy out of place. Yeah, and I think it's kind of unfair to her to put it in here because it because you it's boring when put up against everything else because you don't know what you're getting into, you know. Right. If I was if I were to like make the decision to see that documentary, if it was a feature, I would I would at least be in the mindset to see it. And there's no way she didn't have enough material to make a feature. I mean, it was so in depth. Right. Yeah, I mean that was upsetting, and and I think the other the other sort of uh, bad uh, what, what do I want to call it the other odd one out I guess is the one that's right before it, which is another. I think that both documentaries are the ones I would take out personally. Yeah, that that one uh, that one at least had like little interludes of interesting artistic stuff. You know, the the the, yeah. the, the Petroyce one was very like analytical <laughs> it's like really <laughs> preachy and it was creepy and it was illuminating but uh uh what was your favorite one of the seven um probably the first one i think uh we were kind of talking about this last night the filmmaker what's his name jafar panahi yeah panahi usually skates between uh like a documentary and an actual fi film like scripted film um, and I thought this was great. And I thought it was really magical. I mean, there's no way that he captured all this. But I think there were things that he did not fake and were natural, like with his uh, mother. Uh, I feel like that was very natural. Yeah, I think that he may have just kind of like during lockdown in Iran, uh, just like was, I don't know, thinking about what the movie would be about. And then like, uh, and by the way, it'd be really great if a uh, neon one day would release these separately. So you wouldn't have to sit through all seven. Although like you said, Panahi's <laughs> is first and right. a spoiler, my favorite, the Anthony Chen one is second. So, mm -hmm. um, and then of course they put the David Lowry one, uh, another one I think we both liked. We put that, he put that one like second to last. So, um, but yeah, I think he was just observing what was going on and he like would see the, his lizard looking out and he would be like, okay, I think I have like an idea for what I want to do thematically. And then he would just kind of alter certain things, you know what I mean, to kind of just get, you know, like like you said, uh, Panahi's famous for kind of blending the line between is this scripted, is this a documentary? Uh, so I, I really liked it. I thought it, it was really enjoyable. Um, and yeah. yeah, like I said, the one that took place in China, the Anthony Chen one, I thought was like one of the best short films I've ever seen. Like yeah. if, <laughs> if they had made that into a feature, like if he would make that into a feature, it, it covered – the issues of COVID, the lockdown, so well in like 20 minutes. I thought it was, I, I really thought it was incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And what's cool is we also uh, get to relive what does the fox say, which was something that I also revisited during quarantine, coincidentally. <laughs> yeah, it, it seriously, it hit all the right notes. <laughs> yeah. And you were remarking that it, it looked really good. Like it looked yeah. like a real movie. And it was crazy mm -hmm. at the end credits. Yeah, they drop all seven of the movie's credits at the same time. And there was just, not very many people who worked on these movies. Granted, there wasn't a single one of them that was just like what it should have been, right? It should have been like 
written, directed, produced, shot, lit, um, scored. It should have been all one person, right? I thought that would have right. been what would like the you like know the Mike Bo- quarantine film, exactly, or like Bo- what Bo Burnham's inside claims to be and stuff like that. So, um, but no, the Anthony Chen one, who I'm not I'm not familiar with him as a filmmaker, and I definitely looked him up immediately and was like, I got to see more of what he's doing. And I also was like, yeah. I wish he was the one who got like anointed the person who can now make the quarantine movie you know what i mean because like everyone's gonna want to make that movie and i'm like no i only want to see his movie now because i know his is going to be really good right but he already did it you know i I think that's the thing is he he, like you said he captured it so perfectly and the the style of the filmmaking there you know because it is juxtapositioned from that first one which is just shot on an iphone I'm, i'm pretty sure without like any editing or maybe even without color correction yeah, um, which is so cool and startling. And what's interesting is that I think this would be a much better film if we did take out the two documentaries, even though I did enjoy them uh, based on their own merit. But what's also interesting is kind of something we go back to that sort of like American centrist view is that those two documentaries are both in the United States, right? And yes. And we still yeah. get Lowry's, which is also in the United States. So even if we took out two of the three in the United States, we'd get a, we'd still get like a, a flavor of what we were going on. Yeah, and I will say the California one was not really about the lockdown at all. Like yeah. it, it was just something made. That was the one that thematically I think missed the mark the most. Right. Um, even though it was extremely personal and his life was hindered by the lockdown, uh, he was still out and about like all the time and like seeing his kids and stuff like that. So um, that's the problem. That's that's what was also aggravating is that I mean he wasn't wearing a mask. I, there wasn't really any semblance of a lockdown going on there. Yeah, I mean there's a shot in the Chinese one where uh, the main character looks out the window and sees a flag that says uh, "Stay Strong, Wuhan." And yeah. it's like holy shit! Like that's so that is just poignant. And, and the Chilean one has a really amazing moment where uh, they're on the street. And they bring uh, their, I think their, their their cousin has a baby and they drive. They have to get like a pass to leave their home in Chile. You remember that part? Yeah. Yeah. They have to like cool. apply for like a pass to leave <laughs> yeah. their home. And so they like make up like a, a reason why they're leaving. They go to the house. There's no cars around. Um, you know, they're on the street. They're not allowed to go up into the apartment. Like they have to uh, like um, they give, like, they give them a basket. Right. So they have to like send down a rope to get the basket and they have to pull the basket up and it was it's just very like the <laughs> there's a shot of the the young girl looking up at like the cousin or whatever it's like a wide and it's just like that space between them is very simple and from a filmmaking standpoint but mm-hmm. like super effective yeah and that's the thing is we can really relate to a lot of these stories again except for the documentaries um and god i i, it, right. I feel <laughs> yeah, almost those are shameful specific. i feel almost shameful for for having that uh that third one in um i forgot the director's name who did a pretty yeah. big movie recently which is cool but because it, it it is showing for such a lack of consideration after like the wuhan short because this guy is just meeting with his kids you know there's no there's not a, a single mask in there it doesn't seem like he's taking any precautions at all and for other people around the world to see the, that and be like oh man yeah i mean this guy's life is pretty hard but is is he not adhering to what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, to, to 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 like throw the short away thematically is disrespectful because it's like a very emotional short about something right. that has yeah. nothing really to do with the lockdown. So, anyways, yeah, as as most anthologies go, it was a a mixed bag, but uh, there's three or four really really great ones in there, I think. And I think we should talk about the 
uh, a pizza pong one really quick. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. I actually totally <laughs> forgot about that. And I was seeing some reviews on Letterboxd. Not a lot of people have seen this movie, The, the Year of the Everlasting Storm. And I'm sure our podcast is not going to change their mind. But uh, the last one is from Thailand. And it's a, a pizza pong where saw who's a very... Um, slow cinema experimental director this was very experimental but uh i mm-hmm. think he knew he knew uh, i think thematically it went with the movie really really well with the sound of the of the rain outside and the mm-hmm. year of the everlasting storm i, I mm-hmm. thought it was like i don't know it, i may rank it third in terms of like i, I might put it before lowry's i thought it was striking and i thought it was sonically very interesting for what it was adam tell the people what it was uh yeah it was like just a few cameras set up around a bedroom that was encased in glass with a bunch of uh um what do you call those lights fluorescent lights shining yeah, on sorry. a bed I, I was drinking uh, take that again it's okay oh i got uh, you ar- around uh, fl- a bed yes yeah, fl- by... fl- fluorescent lights thank you fluorescent lights um and just a bunch of bugs and we're just looking at bugs the whole time uh, yeah, and there's every uh, once in a while they pipe in a line from something, and uh, <laughs> which we'll we'll get into a little bit. But I, I want to preface this by saying, like, I do think, and I was kind of telling you this last night, where I don't think I enjoy his movies that much, um, but I see the merit. I feel like he's not really a filmmaker so much as he is just a poet, you know. And I think that's where the draw comes from of enjoying his his films because they are more like poetry than than a film in a lot of ways, if that makes sense, just caught on camera. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the deal was. And, like, obviously he has a new film coming out with Neon Memoria, which I don't know when that's coming out. But I do like the fact that Neon is starting. I don't know if that if, if this anthology is them declaring, like, a few of these are going to be in our stable of filmmakers going to get, going forward, so you might as well get to know them. <laughs> um, but I'm with you a little bit. I'm a little afraid of Memoria. I'm afraid I'm going to watch mm-hmm. it and not like it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm not basing that off of his bug short, you know, um, I'm, <laughs> you know, but like yeah. it's hard. It's hard not to, you know. Yeah. And I think the people who are going to say that this one is the best one are definitely the same people who are giving those spoilers out on Twitter that you were talking about. No, you know, who- I, the people who I've seen saying that they like this one are not the same people. That, so the people sure? who are spoiling Titan are the people who like would never watch this movie. They're the people who are like, like I said, paying $50 to go to Beyond Fest just so they can say they saw Titan before their counterparts in Los Angeles, basically, who couldn't mm-hmm. get tickets to Beyond Fest. So, okay. um, yeah, that's but fair. no, the person saying the Peach at Pong short is the best in this anthology is a certain type of person. I don't <laughs> dislike that person, but they are a certain type of person, I would say. Right. And I think it's funny because when we did go into it and, uh, the the short is maybe what like 10 minutes long and i think at first i was into it and then about five minutes into it i was like oh man i i I hate the people who are gonna like this because i'm gonna be like what did you like it was just a camera staring at a bunch of bed bugs and then by the end i was like all right it is pretty good that's what i thought too i i thought it like where it like wore me down and then he got out when he needed to you know it's just good editing and it like when and then the whole anthology ends and you're like okay like that felt like something definitely yeah i think what got me into it mostly is that we i think it's the first uh, sort of piped in audio recording that we hear and right. i didn't understand what it was or what language it was but i did think it was trump and i heard a bunch of people clapping uh because you could oh, see uh there was um what do you call it there were subtitles and it said like you've been hurt the and the police have been hurting just as much as everyone else right 
Oh, right. Yeah, like yeah. That. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's definitely interesting, and we've talked about it probably for too long. But uh, <laughs> I, I definitely, like, I can't – it's not a hard recommend. The whole thing is not a hard recommend, but – it's just a weird thing where like this movie will be lost in time. So us talking about it will be like one of the very few people who we've ever going to discuss it, I feel like. Right. And well, let me leave us on this question I have for you because I haven't seen the other one. But um, what do you think is a better film to that encapsulates sort of the overall feeling of quarantine? Something that we should show in like 10 years to our kids. This or Bo Burnham's Inside? Huh. Yeah. I mean, that's a, actually a pretty good question. Uh, I mean, definitely I, the, the more accessible thing that like, if you're asking when I'm going to show my kids, like it's like definitely going to be Bo Burnham's inside. I'm you not going to show them. Uh, yeah. I'm going to have to go with this. I'm not going to show them the a peach at pong where it's all film about the, the, the bugs and stuff. It's not going <laughs> to connect, you know? Right. Um, I, I would say if Anthony Chen had made a feature film out of his concept that he had, which is not a unique concept. He's literally just, like kind of checking the boxes on relationship problems during quarantine that that is the definitive one especially because there's a child in that movie mm -hmm. um but no i i mean hey i'm i'm not embarrassed to say that i was a big fan of bo burnham's inside i, I really enjoyed it all right that's fair god chen did such a good job i mean just the scene where they're smoking outside with the masks and then he comes in i could feel her fear you know yeah frustration with that yeah, I mean that 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 was it. Just it just it, everything to me rang completely true. I I, I really I really like that one. But that's uh, let's not drag our feet any longer, Adam. Let's uh, let's yeah, talk let's about the, this 2021 Palm Dior winner. Uh, let's. Do you have any history with Julia Dercono? Who I will say everyone is leaping to crown as the next big great thing. You know what I mean and. I think we've had this conversation before. Uh, I heard it on the Aya versus the Big Boys podcast. Uh, Chloe Zhao, not innocent in any way. I was not a fan of Nomadland. So if we're going to have to crown, if we're going to have to leap to crown the next great female director, uh, and, it, it, you know, as if, because that's what I'm thinking, I'm, I'm saying like everyone feels like it needs to be one. You know what I mean? Like, like right. as if, like, as if, like, Julia Dercono. Chloe Zhao, Greta Gerwig, all these amazing filmmakers can't just coexist. Everyone has to like put their eggs in one basket. If so let's I refuse had... to crown it. That's what Are I'm we... saying. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, but uh, I don't even know where I, 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 that wasn't my question. My question was just if you had a <laughs> if you had a history with uh, Julia Ducournau at all. Did you see Raw? But I know I, I wasn't gonna say like no. Okay. I'm like like yeah. Julia Ducournau is is the filmmaker going forward. I mean it, you just I mean you could get okay. There's a little bit of spoilers of what I thought about Titan, but you could remove gender completely from the equation. I think this is the filmmaker to watch going forward. I mean, like, I kind of joked on Letterboxd that, like, I'm not going to watch a movie anymore unless it's written and directed by Julia Decarno. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel you, and I, I don't have a history with her. I didn't get to see Raw when it was out. I saw it playing at the Frida. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, so you have not seen Raw? I have not. This was my oh. first uh, endeavor. We did, we we did not play that film when it came out. I wasn't I wasn't programming back then, uh -huh. but I have played it three times since. We did a a, a women in horror month yeah. where we played uh, Raw, The Love Witch, A Woman Walks Home Alone at Night, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, and The Babadook. Yeah. Uh, and Raw always does well when we play it. I think it's a movie that uh, we were we were discussing this. This is why we should not talk at all after the movies. We should just go home, save everything for the podcast. Yeah, yeah. But um, we were talking I about saw how Raw two of was those during that month. By the way. Yeah, I mean, I, I, which ones? Uh, Babadook and Girl Walks Home. 
Ah, oh, God, Love Witch is so good too. You gotta check that out. It, yeah. it, it, it goes on for a little bit too long, but it, it's, it's, you should really check out Love Witch. Put it down. Um, but Raw was, I said, it had like a William Castle feel to it when they rolled it out because that, when it would play like when it played Tiff and I think it played Can, they would hand out um, barf bags and then they would have uh, medics in the lobby. Uh, just to kind of like mess with you on the way in, you know, to really hype the movie up. So it's just crazy to have a, a debut feature that has that much hype around it. And this movie had a lot, of, especially when it won that Palme d'Or and it was the Beyond Fest. Beyond Fest is the biggest genre festival in the country at this point. It was their opening night movie like three nights ago. And she's getting a standing ovation when she comes out and she's getting a standing ovation after the movie. She's getting a standing ovation when uh, the Q&A uh, ends. Like I'm, I'm telling you, like people are like, throwing that's what i'm saying like I, I i'm not saying that i'm annoyed at all with it because the movie absolutely in my opinion backs it up you know what i mean like you watch mm -hmm. a movie that's, that has this much bravura this much style mm -hmm. and you just you you, ha you have an immediate reaction to it like i haven't reacted to a movie like this in a long long time yeah i think uh and i think it just really not only took people outside of their comfort zone but like i said yesterday this is simultaneously the most one of the most effed up and one of the sweetest films I've seen, you know, yeah. and I think maybe that really resonated with the audiences like it did with me at Cannes um, I, for just taking people out and making them think it's going to be this really intense thing that it does well. And then putting it into like a full thought out heart that it also does well. Yeah, it's a real movie. It's just like Raw. Like when you watch Raw, you'll see a lot of the same stuff where, yes, it's gross. She is she is trying to shock and gross you out, but there's a heart to the movie that if you removed all of the gross factors about it, the movie would still be really good. Like you'd be right. watching a coming of age film that is a French movie. Now this movie, not so much because she, she walks a tight wire and we'll get into it in spoilers with the Some of the characters are not likable in any way. Like they're truly not likable. And she is trying to impossibly reverse your thoughts on these characters to make them likable. Uh, and we could talk about whether she's successful or not in the end, but Mm -hmm. Um, I think my, one of my favorite, uh, reviews ever is, uh, Richard Roper reviews of, uh, he reviewed Kill Bill Volume 1, and it, uh, the, the blurb on Rotten Tomatoes says, um, this film is purely style over substance, but boy, what style it is, right? <laughs> like, he was able to be like, there's no substance here. Now, with Titan, I got about three quarters of the way through, and I thought, geez, this movie is purely style over substance, and then the ending happens, and you realize it wasn't. And the movie actually had quite a bit of substance. And I think that's why people are going to go around and call it what it is. And that's, I think, a masterpiece. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's cool is that it sets up those dominoes, right? Where you don't really realize that you've been invested and in falling in love with one, arguably two of these characters the whole mm -hmm. time. And I want to give a shout out to Spike Lee, who, because <laughs> this is Palm D'Orgs, who always. is the, yes, the festival head this year, who... Uh, you know, he's got to get that conversation started in that room to give this movie the Palme d'Or. I think this is the most exciting Palme d'Or we've had in a really long time. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, people love Shoplifters. We love Parasite. And we love these movies. But this movie didn't have to win. It could have been just the buzziest movie. It could have been the uh, whatever, you know, when Nicholas Winding Refn drops a movie at Cannes, let's say like Drive or something like that. Or even something like super controversial like Neon Demon or um, Only God Forgives, those movies don't win the Palme d'Or. They're just talked about heavily and then anticipated. Uh, but this one walked away with it, and then it went to like a bunch of other film festivals around the country because what we're, what we're seeing post-COVID, and I don't know if it's just going to be unique to this year, but usually when you drop a, a big movie like this, Adam, you have your world premiere, 
that's going to be at TIFF. It's going to be at uh, Cannes. It's going to be at uh, Venice, Berlin. Then you do your North American premiere, which again can be at, it can be at TIFF or it can be in America. And then you're going to have your uh, American premiere. So I've noticed that you know if you're a big movie like this, you only play three festivals, sometimes two, sometimes one. And I'm noticing a lot of the big movies this year, they're playing like a bunch of festivals. Like for example, like uh, like for for example, Titan has played like a bunch of festivals that wouldn't be happening uh, pre-COVID. They're they're every festival is very very. We want premiere status, and if we can't get premiere status, then we don't want your movie essentially. Right. Uh, and I and I, I like it. I like the fact that New York Film Festival dropped their lineup, and I was like, all of these movies have already played somewhere. Like what you know? And then I realized, except for Tragedy of Macbeth, obviously, but. Um, I was yeah. like, I like it. I like that we're just like someone who, you know, New York Film Festival, like the people who are going there haven't seen the movies that played at Telluride. They haven't seen the movies that played at Venice. So like this kind of game that these festivals play of exclusivity, I think is hopefully going away in the wake of COVID. Well, do you think that's also because of the lack of films because of COVID? It, 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 that is the reason currently, but I'm hoping they're seeing higher. Uh, it's tough because they're not going to see higher attendance rates, right? Because of the <laughs> pandemic. But right. I feel like if, if, if that was – I feel like if that was the attitude, you know, like I like the idea that Kristen Stewart was in Venice for uh, Spencer and then like two days later was in Telluride for Spencer. You know, yeah. two completely different vibes, uh, two I'm days sure apart from each other. Like how many people other than Kristen Stewart and Pablo Lorraine were actually at Venice and Telluride? You know what I mean? There's like right. probably none. So it's just two completely different demographics. Uh, I think that – the world of film festivals needs to open up and hopefully a movie like Titan will kind of, uh, it'll just be like every festival wants this movie and damn it, they should all be able to play it. So I think that we, was my, my long rant. We've seen three films that have come out of Cannes so far this year. And I, we're talking about two of them now. Um, but the two big ones, the Palma d'Or winner and then the other big one, Annette, um, yeah. are some of the weirder films that we've seen in a while. Right. This is shaping up to be just a really strange year for a film, which is cool. Yeah, and we're also, and you'll notice that we saw them very soon after Cannes. Like, so, like yeah. for, for example, we were talking about last night, uh, Parasite wins Best Picture, but it won the Palme d'Or, and we didn't see it until I think it came out in the United States in uh, mid October, uh, and it, you know it didn't roll out into Orange County till a little bit well after that for sure. So it's like, uh, in you know, in comparison, Titan really hit theaters pretty quickly uh, on the heels of Cannes, which is uh, not normal. Usually our third Palm Yorks episode, like, like well, let's, you know, mark it down. When's our third Palm Yorks episode going to be next year? You know, it could be the following year because right. uh, there's a chance that the Palm Dior winner doesn't get distribution. Or it does get distribution, but it doesn't get distributed until quite a bit after the Oscars or something, depending on what type of movie it is. And, you know, no disrespect to Mike Lee, but this could have been secrets and lies that we were waiting to see last night. You know what I mean? And I'm glad that movies like that, especially this year, I'm glad that the, like Titan won the Palm Dior so we could discuss it instead of that movie. First of all, how dare you? Secrets and Lies <laughs> is one of my favorite movies. It's phenomenal. You haven't but seen I'm not, it yet still, right? Um, yeah, but I'm not coming on <laughs> this podcast excited to talk about it. Like, I don't know how. Yeah, because you haven't it. seen it, mother effer. Go watch I mean, it and then you'll know. Sure, but I I doubt it's I'm, I doubt it's Titan is what I'm trying to say. Uh, I look, I love Titan. It is better than Titan. I'll give you that much. Ooh, okay. But you say you love Titan, so we we finally get to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I did love Titan. By the way, before we get too far into it again, I want to uh, give a quick uh, look back at our can draft. 
Um, oh, okay. Just to put in perspective how few movies from Cannes we are seeing. Yeah, no, uh, th- but this is normal. I'm telling you, this is like this is not unusual. Yeah, but I want to watch movies. Come on. I know, but it's fun that we can do a fourth Palm Yorks episode, and that's our draft <laughs> recap, and we can do it in the middle of next year before we do our uh, anticipation episode. Yeah, and we'll see. I guess uh, based on the way this is kind of rolling out, I, I feel like we're going to get a, a week maybe where we get maybe two you know, off of our list here that we yeah. can watch back to back again. Um, but you had Titan. That was your mm-hmm. first pick. Ooh, so we... <laughs> I cashed in hard on yeah. that. Yeah. And I had Annette as my second pick. So those oh, are, my God. We've each crossed one off of our list. And technically, we weren't allowed to see the other persons, which was definitely more of a bummer for me in that situation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You uh, you weren't allowed to watch Titan. I wasn't allowed to watch Annette. Right. I will say round one, it's easily going to me. And you, you had a shot there. And I, I think... I hope we. I pray we can both agree. I have won round one. I you, look. You won the battle, but the war still rages. So right. It's not. It's not one movie versus one movie. It's a whole team versus a whole team. So. Right. And what's interesting is uh, both of our. We both. We each have a movie coming out uh, in the next month. We have yeah. uh, your Bergman Island and my The French Dispatch. Ooh, yeah. You're gonna make up some ground there, maybe. I don't know. I'm excited about Bergman Island. We can, yeah, we, can want, we, we can, um, we can, uh, Apes of God that movie if you want. That's what I was thinking. All right, cool. <laughs> um, so we'll see. We'll get there. But I, I think I'm still after Yang is still my number one here. You have after Yang? Yes, that's right. Uh, uh, so, sorry. Re- read the rest of the teams. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yours after Titan and Bergman Island are Red Rocket, the worst Great. person in the world, and awesome. Vortex. Hell yeah. Okay, I think I have a good shot here because Vortex should be coming out not too not too long from now as well. Right. Um, I think my team is going to be extremely good. I think Vortex is going to be the one that's going to be that's going to be the Annette of my batch. The problem <laughs> the problem with with your team is that Vortex was my last pick and Annette was your first pick. Right, and I do think Annette is the Annette of my batch because I have besides that in French Dispatch, I also have After Yang, Drive My Car, and A Hero. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to drive my car as well. Um, well good luck you know, Oscar Farhadi is not really he, – he, he's a great filmmaker, but I don't think his movie is going to be the one that's going to push the dial towards your team. But we'll see. We'll see. I would love to have him bring it back because Separation is such a good movie. I mean, if you gave me a double feature of a Separation and Secrets and Lies, I'd be one of my favorite knights <laughs> of all time. <laughs> Just you in the theater alone watching that. Yeah. Uh, t- okay, so yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out. I'm, I'm bummed you have after Yang, but uh, uh, I, I'm hoping that yeah, I'm uh, French Dispatch is just kind of a another Wes Anderson movie. It doesn't move the needle your way too far. But I think, okay, let's get back to Titan. I think Titan, like a speedometer uh, raging at 100 miles per hour, has moved the needle in my direction for sure for now. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> we're gonna get into spoilers here pretty quick i'll have you sound the alarm uh but any other thoughts on this movie I, I, my main thought is that i'm playing at the theater for two weeks which is very rare and it's getting a clean two-week run i'm not moving it to like only late night slots next week and after watching it i kind of felt weird that like someone if they wanted to could just wander in at like 2 30 on a tuesday and watch this movie yeah it's funny that you said that because i know because that if we hadn't watched it last night, that's probably what have I I would have had to end up doing because of my work schedule. And I did do that for like come and see. And it it does suck a little bit to walk out of come and see. And the, it's still the afternoon and people are like laughing around you, you know. Yeah. 
No, I mean, but, but to be fair, you were not wandering into Titan. To, you're not, you know what these movies are going into them. You just don't know how crazy or hard they're going to hit you. Whereas someone walking into Titan would just kind of walk in completely blind and just be like, whoa, like this like kind of ruined my week. <laughs> but do you think people are going to do that? I mean, I don't know. It, it, you know, there are people who have walked in and been like, what are you playing right now? And it'll just be like, well, I'm only playing Titan right now at 2.30. And they'll be like, all right, I'll check that out. Let's see if that's interesting. And that's the type of person who might find it genuinely very interesting and be like, wow, that was really weird. I liked that. Or they're walking out 10 minutes in, you know, I, I don't know. Right. Yeah, I think. Uh, but it's tough because the first 10 minutes of this movie are so beautiful. I mean, the... I, uh... I would say the first 25 minutes are like undeniably like, like how uh, virtuous that what's the word on virtual virtuoso virtuistic. Uh Like, like definitely I saw raw and this felt like a, the same filmmaker, but at the same time, a different filmmaker who was like, there's no sophomore slump here. Like I'm taking my filmmaking to the next level. Like if raw was her hard eight, like this is her boogie nights. Right. Absolutely. And I felt that. And I think, God, the, the the scene, the dancing scene on the car, which you see in the trailer, so that's not a spoiler, right. is just so good and so, like, not even, I mean, it's sexual, obviously, but just so beautifully artistic because probably it lacks that male gaze, you know? It was so cool to watch. I loved it, and I will rewatch the movie just to see that segment again. Yeah, I, I uh, there's a few dancing scenes in this movie. There's at least three I can think of that are incredible. They're, oh, yeah. and, and the context for all three of them are different. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, uh, I agree uh, okay, you. let's. Uh, let, all right, everybody who's been listening to us talk about Titan, and we've been very good with spoilers. Uh, I'm assuming if you're leaving the episode now, you have not seen it. Uh, go see the movie. Uh, go to a movie theater if you feel safe doing so. Uh, support a local. Uh, something or other, whatever you want to call your indie or art house around the uh, corner. Uh, they might not be playing it, but if they are, please go see it. If you have to go see it at AMC, that's fine. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to recommend seeing it at an art house because you're going to be seeing it with a crowd who sort of almost knows the vibes, you know, and it's going to be a really good time, I feel like, with an audience. So, um, yeah, Adam. If, uh, if you don't feel safe going to a theater yet, Many Saints of New York's playing on HBO Max today. So go enjoy that. Yeah, or just watch the Licorice Pizza trailer over and over again because that's an absolute masterpiece. Um, let's do plugs here so that people can leave uh, nowhere to find you. Adam, do you have anything you want to plug? Yeah, uh, check out my letterbox at Adam with three M's and check out my website, AdamJCWagner.com, where I post the stuff I'm making. Yeah, and uh, I'm on Letterbox at Captain Dills and follow me at Trevor Dills on Instagram and Twitter as well as Ghost Party Picks on Instagram and Twitter as well. You can listen to the podcast you're listening to right now. Uh, okay, Adam, sound the alarm. Let's get into spoilers. Bong bong. Uh, All right. Uh, <laughs> okay. So what we were talking about earlier is I think that bec- – I mean the French thing has to really play a, a, a piece in it, but – Julia Ducournau really reminds me of Gaspar Noé in terms of like, of course they're both French, but like she is, this movie is a, a provocateur movie. Raw was definitely the same thing where it was like really in your face being like, this is what the movie is, deal with it. But the thing that was, I don't mind saying like, oh, this is Gaspar Noé meets this because you're saying the name of a filmmaker. The movie people were saying was, oh, this is David Cronenberg's Crash meets blah, blah, blah. Right. And I'm Absolutely. like, wait, Crash? Okay, Wait, wait, what? I thought you were going to say The Brood. 
<laughs> yeah, no, it, it's insane because if you're listening to this show and you don't know what David Cronenberg's crash is, it's about uh, a couple that is like turned on and has sex at the idea of cars crashing. Mm -hmm. So it immediately kind of gives away weird things about this movie. So that like in the first, like what, 11 minutes when she has sex with the car, it, that wasn't even that shocking to me. Like I was right. like, oh fuck, it's exactly what these idiots on Twitter were basically saying. Yeah. The brilliance of it is then we <laughs> learn, <laughs> and I was sitting, at, uh, our buddy Sammy saw the movie with us and it was funny cause he was sitting right next to me watching, we watched the movie, which I loved cause we were able to talk through at it. Uh, and when it's revealed that she's pregnant with the car baby, he <laughs> like lost his mind. Yeah, I love that. What a great touch of like bold <laughs> filmmaking to put that into a movie. And like weirdly real too. Like it just definitely becomes like people. Somebody asked me today, is it a horror movie? Oh, Ian, of course, our friend Ian. He, um, he asked me if it was a horror movie and I was like, it's not really a horror movie. But then I was like, actually, it definitely has body horror elements to it. Like mm -hmm. Cronenbergian body horror. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really effective. But then the movie settles in. Uh, then we realize in the first 25 minutes, she's like a serial killer. And she's like, just murdering so many people. And there's not much tension to it. She's just kind of doing it as a way of life. Uh, and then it settles into the last, what, like, what, how would, what would you say? The last two thirds of the last half, at least, are like... Um, uh, the wrong man type movie where she, is yeah. I mean, that is when she posed no, like as a, the son, like uh what's the, uh, what's that? Um, Wayne's movie, Marlon Wayne's uh, movie, uh, baby, the baby one. Yeah. It's uh, exactly, little, little, it's exactly like little man. Yeah. I mean, this is a trope. This, this, the reason why it was so brilliant is because this, this, the wrong man fish out of water. That is a trope. And there's right. been many movies that have been made about this, even movies made about like a criminal on the run who does this. But like, mm -hmm. this is like the most extreme version of it mm -hmm. because as again, we're in spoilers, but as we begin to learn that Vincent London's character, Lyndon's character knows that she's not the son, like, <laughs> and he like just doesn't care. And I just, I think that's just so beautiful that the movie eventually settles into being a movie uh, that we see covered a lot, actually. Uh, you know, our, our boys Wes Anderson and Paul Thomas Anderson are big fans of it. Um, the Broken Family and the mm -hmm. idea of just like, uh, at this point, I'll take what I can get. You know, I'm an old man who does steroids <laughs> and looks at myself in the mirror and I almost like OD'd on it. And like, she's, you know, I, I just, I don't know, man. And I, I'm, I'm just going to keep going here. The, the dance scenes. <laughs> the yeah. dance scenes. Well, well, wait, 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 right before we get into that. Um, yeah, I mean, as you were kind of alluding to before, it, it is De Corneau wants to try to get us to like this main character again of Alexia, even though she is a serial killer, which is such a cool take, I think, to have a, a, a have we ever seen a female serial killer in a movie? Well, it's interesting because the first time she kills the guy, the guy like kind of forces himself on her. So we're like, yeah. oh, OK, cool. Like, I'm like, you know, it went a little past self-defense, but it was self-defense in the initial strike. And that strike just so happened to kill this guy. Right. So we're like, she, we're like, oh, she's not like a bad person. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what you're thinking in that moment. I don't know what she wants you to think in that moment, but you're kind of surprised by it. It's like yeah. so, such so shocking that she murders him. It was like uh, um, this. is That's where I wanted a uh, promising young woman to go. Exact. Oh boy. Oh, Adam, you have unlocked something where <laughs> this movie is a million times better than Promising Young Woman. I I cannot state that more. Oh, and no, uh, yeah. I, I forgot to bring up Emerald Fennel uh, when we were talking about the 
the directors earlier, but uh, they really wanted to crown her quickly by giving her an Oscar. Yeah. Uh, and, and they did. They gave her an Oscar for original screenplay, which I think is insane. Truly nuts. Like, if you're if Julia Dercoteau does not win that Oscar this year, I'll be very, very upset. For original screenplay, I think that this movie is tailor-made for that nomination and hopefully win. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing is, like, Promising a Woman just was made exactly how that kind of movie should be made and made at the right time, you know, for a lot of, it's, a, it, it, it uh, draws more women, you know, than us to that film, just because it is like, look at, look at these things that happen to, to women all the time. And there really hasn't been a movie as mainstream that's like that. And so I think that's people just sort of globbed onto that for like the social aspects of it. Kind of like when the help came out, you know, and people like, really globbed onto the help and we're trying to give it all these awards and whatnot Mm. like it's a fine movie dude about (laughs) you know like a weird racist time but there are movies that do that way better yeah 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 i mean i mean i i suppose if you just kind of cross the pond and look for the (laughs) the the version of the help that's more interesting i guess yeah yeah, you're right i mean if you dig deeper you're always going to find something better than the glossy mainstream version where being presented. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I forgot Promising Young Woman was pretty glossy and mainstream for what it was depicting. You're right. But yeah, and it feels like it feels kind of weird now that we have something like Titan and specifically that scene that you're talking about where the guy kisses her and then she kills him um, to look back at Promising Young Woman and to be like, oh, there's no teeth there. You know, because she gets into situations like that and she just sort of says like, oh, well, if you do anything else, I'm going to hurt you. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, mean, not everything needs to... It's just funny because we're passing the idea of teeth and Titan just, like, blows that idea away, right? Like, like, it's like she does that. She goes to the shower. She comes out of the shower. It's my favorite shot of the movie where she's walking into the headlights of the car. (laughs) And, like, she just murdered someone. So we know that. So we say, oh, that's where this movie's going. Then Hmm. all of a sudden, no. She has sex with the car. You're like, wait, 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 wait. Why is this, like, a subplot in this movie? And then... She, and then we learn that she just like likes killing people. Like she just like goes to like she like right. Am I wrong? Like the next thing we see is like her at home with her dad or whatever. But like we hear on the TV that there's been like a string of killings. Yeah. And then she goes to the girl who she meets in the shower, and she uh, kills her. Then kills like all of her roommates, basically just to get away with it, right? Right. Uh, and then she Which goes on a, the run. She's on the lamb. A nice dark comedic moment there in that house. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, how it's, it's, many it's, of there are you? It's a lot of fun, but it's like, I don't know at that point if Julia Ducourneau wants us to like this character, Alexia, the, I mean, the lead, you know, mm-hmm. um, and she plays it as, you know, the movie at some point is, well, the, overall, the film is a dark comedy. It's an extremely dark comedy right? Uh, with moments of real drama that, that hit well, character drama, I would say, and body horror. And that's what the mm-hmm. movie is. Mm-hmm. But I just love that it's like a transformer that keeps changing every like 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, but still also has an identity, you know? It never gets lost in sort of, like, trying to be something else over and over. Yeah, and it just comes to this, like, operatic finish where we have, like, <laughs> yeah. a full arc for both characters. That's really beautiful. I mean, oh, the Alexei character maybe isn't a full arc. She doesn't change that much. But the the Vincent Linden character, although I, you can, no, no, you no, can no. really... I think Alexia changes a, a boatload, but just not, like, to the end. By the, by the end, she's already been sort of changed for a while. I guess that's true. She, I, not that she hasn't been changed. I just it's hard to redeem a character like that. So I, right. and I don't think Ducarno is even interested in redeeming the character. Just trying to show sides of um, you know. I mean, we could go into it fully, like as hard as we want to. I suppose like 
there's 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 like a history that we get in the beginning of trauma of um, her dad and like I'm sure there was trauma of I'm not I'm sure the guy that she killed after the show wasn't the first guy who's approached her and done that right and this it's just like you know this this woman has gone through a lot of trauma of course but um, yeah I don't know I just I think that once it becomes like the her posing as the son uh, to the dad and then we're like oh my god how does he not know and then we learn that like oh he knows he just doesn't care right. and it's just like there's just like this love lovely thing you know and uh, I think that. In the trailer, the Vincent Linden Linden character is like he looks so intimidating. In the yeah. trailer. you're like, oh, he must be the bad guy. And <laughs> yeah. then the movie happens, and you're like, is he a cop? Oh, he's gonna be a bad guy. And you learn he said, not only is he not a cop, he's like half EMT, half firefighter, and just like a really nice, sad guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I mean, I came out. I mean, that's the intention of the trailer, right? Is exactly what you're saying to pose him as the villain because it shows the scene of him staring at himself in the mirror, all naked. And you're thinking like, oh, that's the freak that's going to hurt our girl. But it's the other way around, which is awesome. Absolutely. And I, I was I, my letterbox uh, review was just like, shut the fuck up with the Gaspar Noe and D- David Cronenberg comparisons. It, it, you know, just like enjoy the greatness of a new filmmaker rising yeah. it's without having reference points, you know. But if I was going to play that stupid game, I would say that she's like a really, really fucked up version of Claire Denis. Because there's a moment, a, there's a couple moments, the dance sequence with Future Islands, which is the best scene Amazing. in the movie, and so good, and purple, and looks great. Oh, That's a great man. dance scene, and that reminded me, of all of the guys with the shaved heads, it reminded me of Boltrevi, which, did you get a chance to see that? I didn't, unfortunately. Yeah, you gotta watch that just so we can talk about Titan through the lens of Boltrevi, but uh, it, it, it's like the study on, like, the you know... Um, toxic masculinity which a lot this movie deals with a lot because the other best scene is when uh she's up on the on the the truck dancing right and all the guys below are like dance 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 and then she like is doing her dance that she does on the car and they're not like mad (laughs) they're just kind of like stunned and like oh yeah i guess we'll just like let alexia do this i mean this is what oh i don't i forgot the name of the care of her new character but they're like not, you know what I mean? They're not like, they're not like mad. They're like upset kind of, but they're not being like outwardly, you know, aggressively homophobic. Right, and then, uh, yeah. And then the, the stand in dad comes through and you think he's going to be pissed and scream. And he's just like, he, he's like sort of disappointed and a little embarrassed, but then he just like walks away and you're like, I but this scene was cr- at that scene. I went through so many emotions well, in that one little scene. Yeah. Because it's interesting because he knows that she's a woman. So right. I think he's almost the frustration comes from like uh, almost being on edge about revealing the secret, you know? Yeah, I, I just just a lot of shifting tables in this movie mm-hmm. and just uh, man, I, I think it's I can't wait to see it again. I, I, I that's you know, uh, Ian was asking me, like, is there a rewatchability factor? And I said, oh, totally. But yeah. it's not a movie I would sit around watching at home. I have to catch this on the big screen again before it goes away but thank god we have rep houses around because this titan is going to have a long life at rep houses and midnight screenings uh forever i I feel like it's it's just that type of movie yeah absolutely sweet i think uh god but the 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 the, it's a happy ending that that movie has which is very you don't you could not see that coming i feel like in a million years even 90 minutes into the movie if i told you there's going to be a happy ending yeah, you, I mean, you could tell me there's going to be a happy ending, but I couldn't tell you what it would be, or a, a bittersweet ending, or what, 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 how, what the last shot of the film was going to be. I would have never guessed that was going to be the last shot of the film. 
And it's like I said, it's poetic, it's operatic, it's it's everything. I mean, the movie. Right. I haven't had a movie that I've wanted to like run. I like I said, I literally tweeted about the movie like four. I, I said uh, one of my tweets that I deleted was that uh, I saw Titan tonight. They all started with I saw Titan tonight as like kind of a parody on the people who were like rushing to say they saw Titan tonight. Uh-huh. Um, and it was like, and, uh, and now I'm listening to future islands on the freeway and I have my hand out the window in the wind, like a bird, you know how they do that in like indie movies all the time. Yeah. American <laughs> and, honey style. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, I think Andy Samberg did a parody on, I think he made a thing called like the indie movie. And, uh, it's just like every other shot is just someone with their hand out the window <laughs> riding on the wind. Um, but, uh, no, it's, it, yeah, I was like, in case you missed it, I saw Titan tonight and blah, 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 you know? Um, I don't know. I just, I, I've, I haven't had a movie that I've like, I'm trying, I'm not trying to overplay my hand too with people and just be like, you really, really need to see this movie and like, don't put it off. Like go see Titan. Yeah. I think, you know, don't, don't go in expecting it's going to be like an amazing change your life movie, but you're going to enjoy it. I think it's safe to say, unless you're a little squeamish, you know, of course that, that is rough. Yeah, no, and, and if, if someone was like, yo, that, like, I would not recommend it to someone who I even for a second thought wouldn't like it, right? You're not going to, you're, yeah. you're going to know who to recommend this movie to. So that's right. Uh, mom, and sometimes they're going to rec. Mom, yeah. I, know, I know you listen to every episode. I don't know if you'd like it, but if you're going to see it, please go see it at the Frida. Yeah, support it, support it. Um, no, I just, I think that, like, there's going to be also people who you're going to recommend the movie to simply to, like, because you want to hear their reaction to it. Like, you you know they might hate it, but you want to know how or why they hated it, you know? So just, right. like, cinema. This is just, this is, movie is just cinema distilled. Mm-hmm. And having fun, you know? It's a fun movie. It's a good time. It's not come and see. It's a much different flavor. Um, but let's, yeah. let's get a little philosophical, know. if we can, for a moment here. Um, sure. So I think the, the opening sort of, scene is perfect in the car i think it perfectly sets up that character who's wild who wants the attention who uh you know suffers at the hands of a car Uh, i think it's fantastic and you and that's sort of like the connection that i had to keep reminding myself of why she's starting to get involved and enjoy the company of this roid guy what's his name yeah vincent linden yeah his character i don't i don't i don't know know his name in the i don't know his name in the movie yeah but i kind of had to keep reminding myself like it's the attention you know that's what she keeps trying to go for and that's set up so beautifully and perfectly right but what what is all the sort of what does the metal mean that's in her body and and the metal spine of the baby Ooh. um yeah i guess i guess that's a good question right because there's a there's a serious emphasis put on it in the second scene Mm-hmm. We see, yeah, that's a great question. It's um, in our head. Is, do you think it has something to do with um, having things in our bodies that we don't have control over or want in our bodies? I think partially, yeah. And I think it. I think if we can get more specific, maybe mental illness specifically, right? Ah, very good. Yes, uh, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> it's funny because this is probably surface level stuff that, like, right, I, yeah. I probably wouldn't even have picked up on the second time watching it. But right. I just, uh, to I me, just, it felt it's fun like to explore um, it a little bit, you know. Yeah, and you were saying how the movie lacks the uh, male gaze. So I'm I'm watching this movie knowing it's directed by Julia Ducournau. So I'm I'm trying to see it through the female lens. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, it, I didn't jump immediately to, and this is probably a, a fault of mine. 
more than anything, but I didn't immediately jump to she's tackling mental illness as opposed to she's tackling the idea of, uh, you know, having something in her body that she did not decide to have in her body. Right. Which I think it works really well with that. And I think that that's sort of because that's what uh, that's what Vincent's character is, too, is his own mental illness. Right. Of, of losing his son, which we kind of agreed uh, he saw die maybe in a fire or he knows is dead at least. Right. Yeah. My, my theory was that he, he saw his son die in a fire and to save face or something, put up missing posters or reported him missing. And the second he meets the, by the way, we need to give a shout out to Agatha Rosal who plays Alexia. We haven't said her name yet. And she's just fierce, just incredible in this movie. No, the acting Um, chops. I mean, Vincent blew me away really with the way he plays it. And I love the trailer, how it, it like is like the new film from Julie Decarnot, and it says like the director of Raw, and it says they're the two names of the actors are like Vincent Lindon, Agatha Russo. Where I'm like, I don't really know these people, but I love that they're getting like name dropped in the trailer. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to seeing them more often too. It's gonna be cool to see him in something else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's. But I don't know. I just feel like he's just that guy now. But I, he, he definitely has the range. He's got to play like a Bond villain. I always default to that hack bullshit on this show. He's got to play a Bond villain. Now. Right. Well, maybe he'll play the new Bond, Trevor. Yeah. Maybe he will. Roided up Bond. Um, no. Sorry. You. Sorry. You were, you were making a point though before I uh, talked about the trailer. No, I think you were. No. Yeah. We were just talking about the chops of these actors. No, I mean these are yeah these are great per- these are great performances, and we even get a, a hint of the young woman who was in uh, Raw. She stops by the movie for a little bit and then gets murdered pretty quickly. Oh yeah, by the way, yeah. What do you think about? Is this like the? Is this your favorite meat cute that you've seen yet in a movie? It's great. It's so good. It, it, it's it's very raw. Like when you watch Raw, you'll be like, oh yeah, this is this has got it written all over it. But uh, yeah, it's really really cute. And uh, and then like. I don't know. Then we have the scene with them on the beach, moonlight style. That just like is so, such a turnoff. Like it's such a weird. Like what is she doing? What yeah. is Alexia doing? Why is she doing this? You know. Yeah. Uh, I, I just I never could quite understand why she was making the decisions she was making. And I think that you've put a nice point on it. And it's just that like she has metal in her head, and like it's probably hindering the way she thinks. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I. That's what I assume. I, and I think because she is. A serial killer there there are sort of those serial killer aspects in in her that don't really make sense and i think it does work anyway yeah yeah any i mean anyways we, we could talk about this movie all day the wheels right. could just be turning and the engine revving uh but uh i think people just uh you know i guess people who are listening to the spoilers have already seen the movie but uh we're all excited haven't. to see the sequel here where we see vincent's character raise that new superhero spine metal <laughs> spine <laughs> That was crazy because, like, the baby came out, and I could feel Sammy next to me being like, oh, it's a normal baby. How interesting. And then the camera moves, like, just slightly, and you're like, nope. It is definitely, like, it has, like, a metal spine and the same metal part of the head. It was like that. It's just, oh, man, it's so That's the thing that got spoiled for me a little bit is someone made a – posted a picture of a list that they were making on Letterboxd of effed up babies, and they put a net, and they put this one in there. Oh, really? Yeah, so I knew it was going to be effed up. God, and you saw that yesterday? I saw that during the previews before oh the movie. Oh, my God. God, that's so annoying to yeah. just put up like, oh, I saw this movie, and wow, everyone's going to get this reference. It's like, yeah, no, really annoying. even the majority of people in L.A. are not going to see this movie. Like, if this, like In our world, the Palm Bjork's world, this is a huge movie. 
in the general world, it's not at all. I, I don't understand why people feel like they, they can tweet stuff like that the day a movie comes out. Because they want to be cool. They want to, like, come off as they're the smart ones, making the good take right away. And it's from it's this, like who, this woman who's, like, a like a female comedian on Twitter, you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, her comedian counterparts on a Friday night or, or Thursday night are out there doing sets at the, at the store. <laughs> yeah, and all of her fans Titan. are working because they can't go exactly. see Titan yet. Exactly. Keep the spoilers off Twitter. Uh, all right. Any more thoughts before we get out of here? This uh, this is a Palm Yorks that went a little little long on one movie, but there's like I said, there's a lot to talk about. No, I think I, the last thing is every time I think about Vincent's character, it makes me want to rewatch it again. I think it was just so sweet and heartwarming, and I really liked that character specifically. Yeah. So there's no Golden Globes this year. I think this movie is going to storm into the Oscar and pick up three or four nominations. I really do, and I and I, I and I think it should. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, and I would love to see a supporting actor nomination for Vincent Linden. Uh, or, I mean, I guess, would he be considered supporting, or would he just be the male lead in this film? I guess lead. I mean, if the uh, the, the logline that you read at the beginning of the show is to be believed, he's the star. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's first build, so yeah. uh, according to Letterboxd, I, I, I doubt it. I don't think he's first build. He's not the lead of this movie, but um, yeah, all right, cool. Um, yeah. Go watch Titan. I have nothing else to say. Debate it. Discuss it. Uh, let us yeah. know. Let us. Yeah. Let us. Yeah. Let us know. <laughs> I just. I mean. I would. I would love to hear dissenting opinions. Uh, we always talk about this uh, when we talk about a movie. Uh, a movie maker. I don't know why I would say that. Uh, that has made two movies. Where is Julia Durka knows where is she going from here? Mm-hmm. Her third movie. Uh, yeah, what's, I think, what's I think, the third Durkono joint looking like? I feel like the third is going to be an epic. Like, she's going to hit it a long one. Yeah. And uh, we're going to see more body horror, obviously. Yeah. But I think so, so you, you think that she takes the Robert Eggers approach where she goes, The Witch, Lighthouse, and then she's making like a $100 million like Nordic Viking movie. Yeah, I think, I think she's going for a big one next. Yeah. I don't know. I hope not. I, I hope we see movies at this level that just continue to shock us. But it's hard for her not to take the step you just talked about. Like you, you get that. I mean, not that this movie is going to like set the box office on fire, but like, I think if she, we go into the Oscar, she gets a few nominations. I think you're right. I think she gets the keys to basically whatever she wants. So I think, um, this is when a, a filmmaker's career gets really, really fascinating. I don't know. I'd, I'd like to see that. Like I would love to see more Titan. You know, if the movie kept going after the ending, I would be totally into it. So I think her helming something with like a gigantic budget and making it real gross could be very cool. Yeah, she doesn't strike me as someone who's going to sacrifice the weirdness of a movie. Like, like, okay, this just came into my head for some reason because there's some fucking metal up there. But uh, <laughs> her version, did you see Ad Astra? Yeah. Okay, so like if she made like an Ad Astra type movie, yeah. like singular and vision, but just super, super weird, yeah. I could see that being the next step for her, definitely. I would love that, dude. My my mind was going to sci-fi. And I, I don't know yeah. if that's a sign there, but maybe she'll do that next. That'd be sweet. Well, that's interesting because Cronenberg currently is making that sci-fi movie with Vigo and uh, Kristen Stewart. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm like, maybe Cronenberg takes the crown and the sci-fi for a little bit here. And she has to kind of switch uh gears but we'll, we'll, well see we'll also see. uh lynn ramsey is working in sci-fi next and then claire denis her last film in sci-fi yeah high life that's right uh yeah oh uh, good call on lynn ramsey by the way so many so many great filmmakers out there yeah 
movies, Adam, movies. They rock. That's why we do this. Isn't that right, Trevor? That is right. Thank you all for listening to Palm Diorks. Adam, we have officially... Uh, cor- Decornowed the Julia. Bye. Bye. Da 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 da